Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a joy and a privilege to worship with you in this way on this Lord's Day. As we gather, let me remind you that you may be in touch with us for prayer or to communicate your needs and concerns and other issues, as well as to support the church financially using any of the contact points that are listed on your screen now. I'm happy to report that our emergency offering for COVID-19 relief received $102,000. That amount combined with the $35,000 challenge gift means that we will be sending $137,000 to various mission partners split evenly between those here in the United States, mostly local in the San Diego region, and overseas mission partners in several different countries of the world. So thank you for your generosity. Let me remind you as well that uh, worship at the church is now being offered on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. You may register and attend for those services by going to the church website, villagechurch.org, and we'd be happy to see you there. A word about our backdrop and setting today. The last couple of Sundays we have recorded much of this from the sanctuary, but we felt it was too empty and formal a feeling, and so now we've returned to our homes at least for the time being. We have some beautiful yellow and white flowers today that are given by the McNeil family, uh, honoring the pastors and worship team for their outstanding service during the pandemic. That's their words, not mine, but thanks to the McNeils for that recognition. We also have some multicolor roses here in memory of Anne and Tom Surgott. They're taken from Anne's Rose Garden that's just about half a mile from the church, and they're given to uh, celebrate Anne and Tom's lives uh, by their family. We also have a small arrangement of white roses here at the top that are celebrating the birth this past week of Fraser Austin Chapman. Fraser's parents are Matt and Laura Chapman. They all live in England. Their grandparents are Lynn and Malcolm Lloyd-Smith, and so we're celebrating Fraser's birth into the world today. And then here on my right again, we have a dentist's cabinet that comes from the first dental office opened in my hometown in New Mexico by a fellow named Dr. Clark. It's a wonderful cabinet with all sorts of little drawers and interesting nooks and crannies for dental tools uh, from before uh, the turn of the last century, from before the 1900s. And we have that in our home here, and it seemed to be an appropriate uh, piece of furniture to have as we talk about health and healing today. Also have various and sundry things uh, from our vast collection, it seems, uh, of antiques, different medicine bottles and scales and other items uh, used in the medical profession over the years. Uh, and we uh, offer those to you as a way of thinking deeply about the business of healing and health uh, and wholeness today. Friends, we're here wherever we are, whether gathered in our living rooms or around the breakfast table or perhaps even late at night as you're sitting in your office, we are gathered to worship the living God. So let's be called together in worship with these words from the 145th Psalm. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Friends, let's worship the living God.
keep coming back to confess our sins every week? The Apostle Paul said it this way, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. There is sin in our lives and it continues to come back in different ways. But thanks be to God that we are called to confess our sins and be assured of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Take a moment in your own heart to pray before I will lead us in a prayer of confession. Let us pray. God of mercy and truth, we seek your forgiveness for the sinful way we live. We are unworthy to be your children, unfit to be your servants. We are burdened with memories of things undone that ought to have been done and things done that ought not to have been done. Bring us afresh the healing and cleansing power of your spirit that we may lay hold of the salvation you offer and walk in newness of life to the glory and praise of your name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear now these words of assurance. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. May the God of mercy keep you in all goodness through the power of the Holy Spirit now and always. Amen. Because Jesus said, my peace I give to you, we know that we can share that peace with others. May the peace of Christ be with you. Accepted, you were condemned. 
Village. I am here with you all in my office at the church bringing you the kids message and we are getting so excited for all things Vacation Bible School this year. If you haven't already heard, our theme for this year is Mystery Island. So that is why I'm wearing these fun lays here this morning. And you can also see behind me this sort of Mystery Island looking painting that was already hanging here in my office. So we are getting so excited for this theme and to be able to share the gospel message with you all. If you haven't signed up already, please do so online so that we can make sure that you receive one of these fun bags. Inside these bags, you're going to be receiving crafts and science experiments and all kinds of goodies that are going to link to the online website videos that we post. Also, as a part of your Sunday school lesson for this morning, we learn about a story between Peter and Cornelius. Peter goes to teach Cornelius and his family that the gospel message is for everyone. Back then, a lot of people thought that the gospel message was just for the Jewish people. As a part of our Vacation Bible School program, our hope is that you all draw close to Jesus and learn how you can share that gospel message with everyone. As Christians, we're called to also learn about Jesus, but to share that with other people who need to know him too. We miss seeing all of you, and we hope that you enjoy your Sunday school lessons this morning, and we hope that you join us for Vacation Bible School this year. We'll talk to you soon. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside Well, there's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker if you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you believe it, 
somebody testify, testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a saving. He's a prison-shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. Oh, if you need freedom, a saving. He's a prison-shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. Our hearts are given over to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, especially in prayer. We're invited to give everything that we have to God, our concerns, our joys, our praise, and our petitions. I will lead us in a pastoral prayer and then invite you to say either silently in your hearts or out loud as you are able, the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray together, shall we? Almighty and ever-loving God, we worship you and give thanks and praise for your holy name. We praise you for your sovereignty over the world, your power and might to sustain us in all things, and for your gracious and fulfilled reconciliation through your Son, Jesus Christ. We give praise that Christ alone has redeemed us and sealed us by the Holy Spirit to be your people. May we continue to walk in your ways and do your will as our ongoing act of worship. Guide us, Lord, in our prayers. Keep us from fear of confessing our hurts, our concerns, our simple askings. Give us confidence to freely admit our struggles whether it be with the distancing and sterile attempts to keep us from harm of a virus or the fear of not knowing how to stop brutality, division, politicizing of people and color and party lines. Of this, Lord God, we are all guilty. Guide us that we might speak our hearts to you in order to have you change us wherever needed so that we might be more and more the image of Christ to the world. As we fear the virus less, we see the numbers growing. Give us wisdom for how we act and care for others. Lord, we pray today especially for independent resident communities, for assisted living and skilled nursing facilities. Please keep them safe, protect them, and help us be patient with the rules and constraints that work to keep them protected. We pray for children and students left with a less than stellar year in to school and the anxiety of what the fall will bring. Bring perfect peace, we pray. We lift up our leaders and ask your continued guidance. We pray for those who serve, for our first response frontline workers, whether those to protect people through medical field or those called to protect and provide safety and peace. We pray for our military and ask protection and guidance as they serve, never forgetting their sacrifice on our behalf. 
in all things, Father God. Make us one with you through Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to
let us begin our time together in the scriptures with a prayer of illumination. Please join me in prayer. O Lord, we pray that your light would pour over these pages and illumine these old, old words, that they would dance with newness in our hearts and minds, that we would be radiant in reflecting your word in our living, in our serving one another. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple, called the Beautiful Gate, so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Friends, we are well into a series of messages that will take us throughout the summer where we are looking at the story of the early church as it's told in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And we're learning how that story teaches us some fascinating and deep and also important truths about how it is that you and I might live in our own time, especially in the midst of the pandemic that surrounds us and all of the other problems and situations of life that rear up in our lives today. We could spend a lot of time talking about what all of them are, but you already know those things. We're talking about life in the time of the coronavirus, and what we have already learned from the book of Acts is uh, teaching us some important things. At the opening of the story, we hear how God's Spirit came upon the people who were gathered together to worship and to think about Jesus, and they were giving the gift of speaking and especially understanding different languages so that they could understand each other. And in that way, God helped to break down barriers among people. As we deal with all of the problems of life, we need to break down all of the artificial barriers that stand between us. That can be hard to do, but we need to do that because that's what God wants us to do, and that's one of the ways that we conquer the problems that are around us.
We also learned that as Peter and the other disciples preached about Jesus, the man whom they believed to be the Messiah, that their first audience was primarily Jewish people, and many of them had a very hard time accepting and believing this new information. Many did, though. Many opened their eyes and their hearts to see something new, to recognize the fact that God had done something fascinating and magnificent in Jesus and giving them their Messiah. And in the same way, we have to be open to new information. We have to think carefully and evaluate carefully about a whole host of new things that are going on in the world and how it is that we might react to them and then be willing to risk and accept that new information. We also learned how the early church gathered together, sometimes at the temple, sometimes in their homes. They gathered to pray, to study the scriptures. They went to the temple to worship. And in that way, they continued to learn about God and to find their lives with God nourished and strengthened in all of those ancient and historic spiritual disciplines. That's one of the things that you and I must do as followers of Jesus, is continue to practice those historic spiritual disciplines of prayer and study and worship and fellowship with each other and all of the other things so that we keep ourselves strong, or more accurately, so that God can keep us strong with His power as it comes into us through the practice of those disciplines. Well, today the story is going to continue we're going to hear the story about the healing of a man who's been lame from birth. Now, I think it's important to note that that story occurs immediately in the narrative, as Luke has told it. It occurs immediately after we are told that the church came together. You see, one of the things that followers of Jesus do is come from out of the world into a place of sanctuary, a place of solitude, a place of study and fellowship, a safe place, if you will, where we can open ourselves to God and to each other to be nourished by God's strength. That's a beautiful thing. Oftentimes, it's a place where we want to stay. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could spend our whole lives simply praying and studying and enjoying the fellowship of people who are just like us, who think like we do, and who have the same values and attitudes about the world, especially as it comes to following Jesus? That's an important thing for the church to do, to be nourished in its inner life, and an important thing for individual Christians to do, to be nourished in our inner lives. The temptation, though, is just to stay there where it's safe and comfortable and warm and cozy and good, but that's not what we can do. The story of the early church, then, is how followers of Jesus went out into the world. And it was there that they began to encounter, in a new way, the power and movement of the Spirit of God. We're told that Peter and John went to the temple. Now, the temple was a big, beautiful, imposing building. It was a place that represented the best of Jewish worship and Jewish life, a place where you could be encouraged and excited, a, a place that would be, a, in many ways, a lot of fun to go. But as they went into this beautiful temple, they encountered some of the rest of life. They saw a man sitting there asking for financial support because he had been lame from birth. They encountered the messiness of life, the painfulness of life, the ugliness of life, the challenge of life. 
How do Christians respond to the real world? How do we respond in the real world? Do we run away and hide in the church? Or do we go out into the world? Peter and John responded to this man in a way very different from a man about whom Jesus had spoken in one of his most famous parables. You remember that parable, the story of the Good Samaritan. You'll remember that there were two other characters in that parable beside the Samaritan and the man who had been robbed and beaten and left for dead on the road to Jericho from Jerusalem. There was a priest and a Levite who simply walked by. That might have been what Peter and John could have chosen to do, but they did not. They could not. Instead, they, they went and they embraced, they confronted, they entered into the reality of this one man's suffering. They stopped, they looked, they listened, they engaged. In some ways, one of the most powerful parts of this story is not about the healing of the man, but about the fact that Peter, we are told, looked intently at him, as did John, and they said, you look at us. Christians go into a relationship with God to be nourished and strengthened so that we go out then into the messy, ugly, painful, difficult world so that we can take God to the world. Now, what did Peter and John see? What did they see when they looked at this man? In the popular theological thinking of the day, they might have seen what many saw. They might have looked at this man and said, this man was afflicted from birth. Obviously, he was a sinner. Obviously, he deserved to be born this way. There's something in him, something in his parents, and maybe many generations before him that deserve God's anger and wrath, and he deserves this pitiful, helpless, diseased condition. That's the way a lot of people looked at sickness back then. But that's not how Peter and John looked at it. They looked at that, this man as a, as a child of God, as someone who deserved God's love, as someone who could have hope, not being bound by sin or being bound by old ways of looking at things that tried to blame people for everything in their lives or, or blame God for being a, an angry and, and, and rule-loving God who couldn't wait to punish people who broke his rules. That's not how Peter and John looked at the man. They looked at the man as they looked at themselves. Someone in need of help. Someone in need of hope. Someone who, just as much as they, deserved God's love and care and compassion that they knew they were meant to extend to this man. How did they react to him? They weren't afraid of him. They didn't respond with horror or with indifference to his situation. No, instead, they bravely walked into a relationship with this man because they were not afraid of his pain. They were not fearful about the messiness of the world that he lived in. They had confidence, ultimate confidence, that as they engaged with this man, that there would be a power with them which had already conquered the world. Jesus had told the disciples not long before this incident happened, that as he was going to his death on the cross, that still he had conquered the world. Christians of all people should never be afraid 
Never be timid about walking into the pain and suffering of this world, no matter how threatening it might be to us, no matter how confusing and difficult it might be to deal with, because we know that we follow the one and we are empowered by the one who has conquered the world. So they engaged with this man. What did they do? What did they do? Well, he had spent all of his life being taken there by his friends to the temple to ask for money to help support him, and that's probably what he expected Peter and John would do, would be to take a couple of small coins out, hand them in an act of charity, and, and then go on their way. That's not a bad thing. People do need financial resources, and often the church does that for folks. We do that for folks. We've just done that with our COVID-19 relief offering. We have given, in Peter and John's terms, our silver and gold. But that's not what Peter and John had to give. We're already told that the church had been sharing its resources with each other because, in fact, they had something much more important to give to this man, something that was deeper. What they had to give was the offer of healing in Jesus' name. And so that's what Peter and John did. They offered the gift of a relationship with God through Jesus to this man and the healing that then resulted. If your coffee's cold or if you need to go get the pancakes off of the griddle right now and you want to stop the worship, then don't stop just yet. Listen to this point. Today's lesson, today's point is the fact that with the power of the Holy Spirit, in those ancient times, the infant church reached out to heal people, including those people whom polite and religious society had written off and left behind. You and I are called today to bring the healing power of God to all people in their bodies, in their minds, in their souls, using all the means that are available to us, both spiritual and material means. That's the point of this story. Now, we do have a lot of questions we want to ask, though. We need to think about the implications of the meaning of this story. How does it work out in your life and in my life? How does it work itself out today? That's always the question that I want to ask, because if we can't figure out what it means today, then it's just an old story in an old book that needs to be left there. But it's a story about a God who we believe still is alive, a Savior whom we believe still leads us into a life of meaning, a life of purpose, a life that actually makes a difference in the world. So let's think about a few more things. The first thing we want to think about, of course, is the fact that here we have a story of a miracle. Peter and John say to this man who's been lame from birth, stand up, walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And we wish we could do that, don't we? We wish that there were preachers or teachers or somebody somewhere who could simply say to all the suffering, crippled, lame, blind, hateful, self-centered, dysfunctional people in the world, which by the way includes all of us, we wish that there were someone who could walk around and say, poof, you're well. That's not what we experience, though. Because we do not, many people say, well, this cannot be a true story. There cannot be a real God. This is all a fairy tale. It's make-believe. Well, we have plenty of stories of miraculous healings 
We have plenty of stories and examples that I could give you even of people who are healed from the inside out, people who are redeemed, people who recover, sometimes physically, often spiritually and emotionally and relationally. You see, Jesus did not heal this man because Peter ordered Jesus to do that or because Peter uttered some magical incantation, abracadabra, alakazam, so that Jesus would heal the man. You see, Jesus, God, chooses to heal whom they will heal in the ways that they will choose. Miracles come only from God. We do not dictate when they will happen. Truth be told, oftentimes God does not miraculously heal because God chooses to heal in other ways. And so let's not be put off by the fact that all of the troubles of the world do not magically go away simply because we have Jesus in our lives. What do Peter and John do? What do they actually do? Well, we've already noted that they went boldly into the messy world that was around them and they engaged it. The story as it plays itself out in Acts and as it plays itself out in the rest of the history of the Christian church is a story about those who truly follow Jesus are those who enter into the messiness of the world in order to bring healing and hope and renewal. Obviously, when we go into the world, we find people who are diseased in their bodies or in their minds or in their souls. Every one of us is touched in some way by the disease and dysfunction and sickness of the world. We might have physical illnesses like we being infected with the coronavirus or, or having cancer or having a mental illness. We might be infected by other diseases of the world like sexual slavery or tyranny or racism or ageism or hatred. The list can go on and on and I don't need to fill it out for you. But we do need to remember that True followers of Jesus don't shy away from those things. We don't turn our back on those things. Instead, we engage those things, and we do that in a particular way. We look. We listen. We do not instantly judge. We do not close our eyes. There's something within the sickness of the human soul that wants to look at something else in someone else or somewhere else in the world and say, oh, that's bad. Gee, isn't that sad? Or we wouldn't be that bad. There's something in our soul that wants to say, those people have a problem. Aren't we glad that we do not? But that's not the way that Jesus engaged the world, and that's not the way that Jesus' true followers engage the world. We open our eyes and our hearts to the world and seek to learn about what's going on. We learn by listening carefully, by not going instantly to a place of judgment, but starting from a place of kindness, a place that wants to use the love that God has given us and extend that to another person, to extend the grace that God has given us as we listen carefully to others and welcome them into our lives. Jesus does, of course, then begin to lift people up by teaching them the wisdom that God has taught to all of us. Listening and understanding and, and being able to discern the reality of a situation does not mean that we accept it or agree with it, but simply that we understand it so that we then can begin to understand how God's wisdom applies. And then, of course, 
we begin to work in ways to bring healing to the world. I have all this medical stuff behind me to remind us that Christians historically have always gone into medical work and done what we could to care for those who are suffering from the plague or whatever else happened to be going on. Churches everywhere has all, have always started hospitals. Churches have been some of the greatest sources of doctors and nurses, and I'm proud of all the folks involved in the medical world in our congregation who are doing that very same thing today. But, but it's not limited just to medicine. We help people heal in their relationships, in themselves, with their families, in their community, and politics. We use what God teaches us about respecting each other, about being kind to each other, about coming to life with a certain humility, about seeking a clarity, and about seeking to include other people in our conversations. That also brings healing and wholeness to the world. We take a great risk when, they do, when we do that, that we're, that we're going to be misunderstood or that we might sometimes be wrong or that, that we might sometimes be challenged ourselves. We take a great risk that what's going to be asked of us is more than we're willing to give, but, but that's what we do because that's what Jesus did. And with his power, we get to do it. You see, people who follow Jesus offer a right relationship to the world a right relationship that each one of us can have with God, and then in that right relationship that we're able to establish with God, or, or more importantly, that God is able to establish with us, that we then are able to have right relationships with each other. It takes strong people, people who are clear about who they are and who they are not, about what they can do and what they cannot, people who are clear about God's intention to save the whole world, it takes those kinds of people to go out into the world and do God's work of healing. It's wonderful to look at this old story about the healing of a lame man, but that old story means something today only because it calls us to do the same. What are you doing? What are we doing together to bring the healing and wholeness of God to the whole world. That's our challenge today. Amen. Would you please join me as together we affirm our faith by stating the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
One of the most widely recognized symbols of healing in the world today is the symbol of the Red Cross. I know when you and I hear Red Cross, we think of that institution and that organization many of us support that goes into places of disaster to help out. But think about the symbol that's used, a red cross. You see, the cross for us is a symbol of the fact that God reached out to us in order to heal us, not just of spiritual sickness, but of all the disease, all of the dysfunction, all of the maladies of this world that are part of our worlds as well. If you say you believe in the one who died on the cross and then rose from the grave, you also are saying that you believe in the work of healing. You believe in those who do research. You believe in those who walk into COVID-laden intensive care units to offer their nursing. You believe in those who walk directly into some of the biggest and thorniest and messiest problems that we face as a whole society in order to try to bring healing and health and wholeness. The church often has and sometimes has not been an agent of healing in the world. But regardless of our history, what is our future? Our future is to be called as agents of healing agents of God's work of restoring his whole creation. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen.
when we go our separate ways. We'll go carrying His name with humility in our faith. With good deeds we give You praise, 'cause we will be different. We will be different. Thought of you.